0: Hey, deserving listeners, today we're going to talk about birth order, but first let me introduce the podcast. This is a podcast called Psychology in Seattle, and I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a professor and a therapist, and I am a third born out of four children. Today we're going to talk about birth order and briefly. I've talked about it a lot before on the podcast, but Michael Drain from the Unpopular Culture podcast called me up and read an email from one of his listeners asking about birth order. So let's just go to that.
1: (laughs) I like this one. What is the connection between being the youngest or oldest sibling and every other relationship you make? I've noticed that in all my friendships or relationships, I play the little sister role and my older sister is always in charge of hers. Signed Brianna. And this is one of mine came in at UPC podcast on Twitter. So what do you think, Michael? Well, one wants to automatically wander over to Adler, (laughs) who conceptualized the idea of birth order. And we could spend some time talking about that. Maybe it would give you an overview of what the different birth orders are supposed to, to mean. The oldest child, for example... The idea is that because they were born first and they spent some period of time before their sibling was born getting all the care and all the attention from their from their caregivers or their parents, that does certain things to them. The theory that Adler has says that they can be prone to perfectionism or need for affirmation, and I, I would assume that's because you're used to getting it as the only kid. But they tend to become more intellectual. Um, dominant, more social, in dominant in social settings. But there's there's also a certain pressure. They may be expected to become a caregiver to their younger siblings, so they might be expected to set an example for those siblings. And then you take the the middle child or the second child. What what are the characteristics of that? They they struggle in the middle because they're. They're not the oldest, they weren't the first one, and they're not the youngest, the baby that gets the attention. So they, according to Adler, will spend a lot of their childhood trying to find a place in the family. Um, And they can struggle with this ambivalent state. And you can see how that would carry over into adulthood. And then the youngest child, the stereotypes that come with that are selfish. They're used to being the baby. They also possess positive traits. They have confidence. They have an ability to have fun, you know, entertaining others. They're used to being able to cut free. They have less responsibility. They're not seen as – you contrast that with the older sibling who's, well, you got to, you know, be a be a good role model for your little sister. You know, the little sister doesn't have to worry as much about that. So – and then if you're an only child, it's similar. Only children like youngest children – or oldest children don't necessarily have to share their parents' attention because that's you know you're the only kid. All the all the focus is on you. So these are really great theories. In my own experience, I found them to be useful guidelines, but certainly nothing concrete. It's not like you're the oldest child, so you absolutely will be the following things. I look more at attachment styles personally if I'm looking if I'm working with somebody. Attachment styles to their caregivers and their family. So, the roles you had with your siblings can definitely give you clues as to the way you interact with people out in the world. But also, don't neglect to look at the way your caregivers treated you, too, in your relationship with them. It's my experience that a lot of times that'll translate into a romantic relationship as an adult. You know, if you think of somebody who had a very ambivalent attachment style with their parents. You just never knew what you were going to get. These people grow up and wind up being a little more unbalanced in relationships later on. So look at your siblings for sure, and they will give you clues as to, well, I'm like this with my little sister, and she's like this in her relationships, and and you can get some clues there. But I wouldn't cling to this too strongly as the end-all, be-all answer of why you are the way you are. Certainly use it as a tool.
0: Yeah, I... Completely agree, Michael. Adler is often the go to theorist regarding sibling order and and personality. But, you know, he existed in a time pre empirical science regarding this and was probably pulling from a lot of anecdotal evidence and probably made sense at the time. And it also plays into a lot of stereotypes, I think, regarding birth order. It's it's sort of like the astrology. uh, It's sort of you know there people will say oh I'm you know I was born in December therefore I'm loyal and it's like well by what measure are you loyal right
1: I'm a Gemini so I have a dual personality
0: but but doesn't everybody (laughs) right or you know I I'm the oldest therefore I'm the responsible one or something and you know when they actually study this empirically and there's been many thousands of studies. The, the general consensus is that using birth order solely as a factor in personality is not effective. And when you think about it, it's, it makes sense. Like you're saying, there's so many other factors that play into personality. Attachment is a huge factor on personality, uh, where you grew up, what your life circumstances were like, what your parents are like, how you were treated. How tall you are, how what your gender is, what your socialization is—you know, just there's so many other factors that play into your biology. There's so many other factors that play into your personality that that using sibling order only as an indication is is actually a poor predictor of of personality, and and I, I would say about half of the studies show. Birth order has nothing to do with personality, so not only is it just a minor factor in 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 much empirical research, but it's actually not a factor. And and so <clears throat> so that's all uh, needs to be recognized. Whenever I tell people this, uh, as with astrology, they yell at me and they just say, "Well, but my family fits this fits what you know Adler's thing exactly." And I say, "Well, great, then you know I'm not saying that." A one or you know many families can't actually randomly meet the deaf or the descriptions. I'm just saying that when you actually look at you know human beings and study them empirically, it's just not something that's a it's not a factor. You know, it's to me <laughs> what I like to say to stuff like that is like, you know, just because there a black man is a criminal doesn't mean that black people were born to be criminals. <laughs> you know, some people say black people are born to be criminals, and everyone would say, well, that's ridiculous. Well, just because you happen to see a black criminal doesn't prove your point. You know, Just because you happen to have a family that fits the Adlerian description doesn't prove the point. You have to actually look at uh, reality through a scientific lens. Now, having said all that, roles do absolutely exist, but they're not determined necessarily by birth order. The, the one bit of research that I have come across, um, that's there's several... Studies pointing in this direction that seems to be a generalization you can make on average is that oldest siblings tend to be more conservative, which is you know on average, um, and there's been you know research to support that. So that, but that's not birth order uh, by first, second, third, middle. It's just like if you're the firstborn kid, you're more likely to have conservative viewpoints. Not necessarily politically conservative, but like, you just don't like change. You you want things, you like traditional things, you know. Um, But that's not everybody. Now, having said all that, roles do absolutely exist in families, and as a family therapist, I see it all the time. And it's hard to measure this, of course, but at least anecdotally I see it in that different siblings will establish different, different roles, you know. She's the Comedian. He's the athlete. You know, she's good at math. Um, he's the one who takes care of people. Um, and the more problematic a family is, the more rigid those roles will become, and less f- less flexible. But even in flexible families, they tend to see people in terms of roles. And the more you treat someone as their role, the more they kind of become that, you know, the more you tell a kid, Oh, you're the nurturing one, the more they become nurturing naturally, because they're getting attention and love for that behavior. And so, uh, and that will absolutely predict things later on. So the person who wrote in, Brianne, I think her name was, if as the youngest, you were given love and attention for, being um what was it again i the uh, uh, playing the little sister role if you got love and attention for for playing that little sister role whatever that means you know maybe a little subservient or something then you're gonna perpetuate that behavior because you've learned that that gets you love and attention and you become really good at that you know you become really good at playing that little sister role you got it down and you carry forward that self-esteem and those behaviors into your adult relationships
1: yeah, agreed. It's a what? What's a spurious variable? The example I always heard uh, in grad school was the correlation between ice cream sales and drownings, pool drownings in the summer. You know, these things appear to be related, but in fact they're not. Right. The uh, reason there are higher ice cream sales and more drownings in the summer is not because it has nothing to do with the relationship between ice cream and, and drownings, as much as that third variable that. These are activities that people tend to engage in more when they're when when it's summertime. So right. you have to be careful not to attribute birth order and just run with it and use it to define everything who you about who you are.
0: But there right. are
1: there are a lot of clues in there that you can use and can be helpful. Just don't take it too far.
0: Yeah, it, the other logical fallacy I think they call it that is the confirmation bias uh, problem, which is that. If you're expecting to see the world through the Adlerian sibling order uh, lens, then every time you find data that confirms the Adlerian model, you say, see, the Adlerian model is correct. And every time you see data that doesn't support the Adlerian model, you say, oh, well, they're an outlier, or you don't even think about the Adlerian model. Um, The same goes for astrology and all those other kinds of things. Um, And believe me— some of our listeners are throwing their phones against the wall just because I even decided to critique astrology, let alone birth order. Um, <laughs> I, I, make, I don't make a lot of friends when it comes to those topics. Even in grad school, as a professor, I'll say stuff about astrology and people will um, uh, mar- they'll actually evaluate me at the end of the quarter as not being a good professor because I denigrated astrology. In a graduate program uh, focused on, you know, empirical science.
1: Doctor Kirk told me I wasn't a Taurus.
0: One star. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, well, I I'm backing you up. I agree completely. You know, for what yeah, it's worth,
0: totally. they can be mad at me too. I think most people believe in astrology is a thing. It's fun. So, it's a
1: it's a fun, easy way to self-identify, and it's personality in a box. You know, it's like okay, I'm a I'm a Taurus. That means I'm strong-headed and you know stubborn. Okay, well. Hey, I am sometimes, you know, and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and like it's confirmation bias. Like you said, now I'm going to focus on all the times that I was stubborn as a way to reinforce that I'm a Taurus. So, you know, who can't be stubborn from time to time? And somebody who's in grad school should frankly know better because you learn much better ways of identifying the reasons why you are the way you are other than, you know, going to the astrological signs in the newspaper.
0: Yeah, that's my point. Is that if if you're going to become a practitioner in the field of personality and psychotherapy, then you should at the very least be skeptical about what astrologists say. That's that's what I'll say. Okay, it's just me chiming back in here at the end of the episode. That was my talk with Michael Drain from the Unpopular Culture podcast. If you're interested in a podcast that talks about various different issues, not just psychology, check them out. I think they're an up-and-coming podcast. I think they have a good format to go with to satisfy lots of different people. And as you can tell, Michael Drain is a born podcaster, so, I think he has a a, a wide, uh, what's the adjective? He has a, a glorious career ahead of him as a podcaster, and I, I always enjoy talking with him. So, uh, just chiming in, in here at the end about astrology, I don't know if I've talked about astrology before. Let me just give, maybe I should do a whole episode on the science regarding astrology, because... There's, it's been researched a lot, actually. It's not just something that is an unknown. There has there has been research because astrology has been around. You know, it 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 has its origins in what pagan Europe in the you know pre Christian years. But anyway, don't quote me on that. Uh, it's just something I think is rattling around in my head. But anyway, once I do an episode, I'll I'll do a deep dive. But let me just let me just tell you a little bit of stuff here because I have really pissed off a lot of people with my views about astrology. So let me just say a few things. Um, When I was younger, really up until, I don't know, I was probably 30 or something, even when I even after I went to get my masters, I believed kind of in astrology. I would read the astrological, I'm a Sagittarius, which Whenever I say, whenever people say, Oh, what are you? And I, I, you shorten it to SAG. I'm a SAG. People are always like, Oh, I love SAGs. They're great, you know? And so it's, it's never, it's always sort of a, a good thing to, to ask, you know, me what my sign is because I'm not one of the bad ones. <laughs> um, not that there's bad or good ones, but there's not a lot of bad things to Sagittarius. But anyway, or Sagittarians. And so, uh, I I would read this read the horoscope and th- really thought, hey, you know, I'm loyal. I I'm also born in the year of the dog in the Chinese astrology, and the the dog is also loyal. And so I thought, like, oh, I'm I'm like double loyal, and I am. I'm a loyal friend. I'm a loyal you know family member. I really like to take care of people, and I defend people a lot. And I I take pride in that. And so the Sagittarius, you're the dog thing really resonated with me and and perhaps gave me more motivation to act in those ways because it was a part of the cosmos that I should be that way. As I started to actually learn how to read scientific literature— I would occasionally come across ast- astrological, astrology research. And I slowly started to realize that it was not, it's not, it, it, it is not supported by the evidence, is the thing. And now, having said all that, it, I have talked about this on the podcast before. I, I don't want to talk about it specifically, but I believe in, in things that cannot be supported by science. I have a belief system. I, I I believe in science, and I, you know, am convinced by a lot of scientific findings. I'm also unconvinced by a lot of bad scientific findings that are poor research design or they're not um, double-blinded or blah, blah, blah. But anyway, uh, my point is is that... <laughs> Uh, I'm a big fan of science, and yet I believe in things that are what some would consider to be counter to science. Again, I don't want to go into the specifics, but so, I believe, so uh, I believe in things that scientists or empiricists or positivists or whatever you want to call them could come to me and say, Kirk, you're stupid for believing in that thing because science demonstrates that that belief system it's it's not supported by the evidence. And then I would come back to them and say, I know that, and I'm cool with that, and yet I still believe. And so if you believe in astrology, the one thing you can always say is, well, I don't know, I just believe in it. And to me, that's totally cool with me. You can believe in whatever you want to believe in, as long as it doesn't harm other people. That's fantastic. And astrology doesn't harm other people. It's just a belief system. Now, but if you go on to say well how dare you denigrate my belief system with your science or how or how dare you because actually there is science that supports astrology that's when you get into territory that i have a problem with because with my belief system i would never say to someone you know an empiricist who came to me and said your belief system is not supported by science, I would never say to them, well, let me point out research that that supports my position because I know well enough that my belief system, although there are research, you know, data that actually kind of supports my strange belief system, I also know that that's, that's an outlier and that the vast majority of research actually does not support my belief system and i 'm okay with that I, my belief is not so fragile and so dependent on other people's approval that i can't just be confident in my own belief i'm just i'm just like i yeah i'm confident in my belief system and i'm and i don't need in empirical science to demonstrate it. I kind of wish empirical science did, but it doesn't and that's fine. It doesn't it doesn't mean that i have to fight back or feel insecure or be hurt or something i'm i'm just like yeah it's just it's just how i believe and so astrology is the same thing if you believe in astrology then great but do not claim that it has that it, that it's demonstrated empirically um I, again i sh- i'll do a whole deep dive on the research because there's actually some research that shows that if you grow up in a culture that believes in astrology particularly people close to you you will be be uh, you will start to identify with that astrological sign and you'll develop in a way that actually confirms the prescription if that makes any sense and so so in some ways if you're a firm believer in astrology you'll actually become your astrological sign but if you if you have no idea about the astrological signs then it tends not to affect you in your identity formation. Anyway, another thing that I'll say is I'm a huge fan of, of astronomy and astrophysics and physics and all the hard sciences, particularly involving stars and planets and all that, comets and all that kind of stuff, galaxies. I've always, I had a telescope when I was a kid. I wanted, my first profession I wanted to be was an astronomer until I found out that, that I was flipping through a book and they they said, you know, how many jobs open up per year? And it said one dash two. So one or two jobs in astronomy open up per year. And the reason that they open up is the an astronomer either retires or they die. And I said, wow, I should probably choose a different career because that doesn't seem like a very uh it's it's like winning the lottery or something. And it's it's different than that a little bit but essentially to become like a head professor of astronomy where you're doing all the hard ast- astronomy kind of science or you or you get a really excellent grant to study the stars that's super fun those are hard gigs to get because it's not there's not a lot of money in it is the thing and so um, anyway the point is, is that I'm super in, into, into astronomy and the more I get into the hard science of, of space and all those kinds of things, <laughs> i using all these really dumb words, but um, the more you realize that astrology is, is a strange system for thinking about personality development. And so that's what I'll say about that. Again, so this is a long thing. The reason, okay, the reason why I'm going on this long thing is because lisa one of the very first founders of psychology in seattle is a firm believer in astrology and we would get into fights over it we her and i almost never i've been friends with her since we went to preschool we went to preschool together we became really close in in high school and and beyond and we get along fantastically but the one thing we will fight about is astrology. <laughs> and, and I respect her. She's a smart person. She's creative. She's open. She likes science. And, and I'll, I'll say things and then she'll yell at me back. Uh, as I said earlier, when I was talking to Michael Drain, I'll talk uh, in, in, as a professor in my early career, I would talk about astrology and I would I would briefly denigrate it and students would attack me um, in one way, shape, or form, um, maybe because they felt attacked. But so it's it's a hot button issue, apparently, and uh, it's um, and I understand that, and I, and I, and I want to acknowledge that, as I've been saying, if it's your belief system, great, but don't claim that empirical science has not. Uh, shown that it's it's not necessarily demonstrated by empirical science, and this and the scientific claims that astrology will make, because because one of the things that astrologers will say is, well, your personality, it, you know, when you're born, and again, this isn't all astrologers, but they'll say. The reason why, you know, because Mars is rising in Sagittarius, and that has something to do with your personality, is because of gravity. They'll say, but if you know anything about gravity, you'll know that that doesn't make any sense. The gravity between you and the doctor is stronger than you and Mars, way stronger than than Mars, which is, you know, pretty particularly stars, you know, um, and the notion that particular constellations which were developed by uh, i think we're following the greek system it affects your personality is also a little odd and that uh, other cultures around the world had different had different constellation uh, myths also the earth has been wobbling and so therefore the sun actually doesn't rise necessarily in... Now I'm just making a whole episode about astrology. <laughs> Again, if you believe in astrology, awesome. I believe in some things that are dear to me that are not supported by the evidence. Great. Believe. Believe, believe, believe. But don't, don't claim that science has not um, talked about it. <laughs> God. You know, if, if you believe in astrology, I'd be curious what you think about what I've just been saying. Because I'm trying to have empathy, I'm trying to have compassion, I'm trying to be open, I'm trying to be nice. And I'm trying to be, uh, I don't know, I'm trying to have a good point of view. Because it, it's stupid to say something like, I wish no one believed in astrology, which I think is often kind of the case with people who don't like astrology. They're just like, all people who believe in astrology are stupid. They shouldn't believe in it. It's ridiculous. It's, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I don't take that tact. I'm more of the position of, if you believe in something, great. Uh, And as long as it doesn't harm anybody, you can believe that, you know, in, there's a lot of different beliefs in the world. Let's just put it that way. And, those are beautiful things. You know, people believe in magic, people believe in Jesus, people believe in nature, they believe in Zenu and beliefs I think are wonderful, honestly. It it provides meaning. It provides a guide, it inspires people. So, I a lot of good things have happened in the name of beliefs that cannot be supported by science. So I'm, I, I dig it. Uh, at the same time, the empirical science has to be acknowledged. And never the twain shall meet, is my opinion, is that, for, you know, for me, I, I'm, I'm a believer in hard science. And at the same time, I'm a believer in things that can't be supported by hard science. And so I, in this whole talk, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, I don't know what I'm trying to do, but if you believe in astrology, let me know what you think about that. All right. Well that does it for that episode of psychology and Seattle. Thanks for joining me. Please take care of yourself because you deserve it. <laughs>